If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, Episode 600. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Why are you there? Give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com, mclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, get great deals on new and forthcoming courses. My latest, 25 People Who Changed America, is out for pre-order now. You want to purchase it in this month of March 2022. If you don't, you're going to pay a higher price for it. So if you're on the email list, whether at McClanahan Academy or at brianmcclanahan.com, you're getting the deal right now. So make sure you do that. Also, all of my classes are on sale 25% off, and those prices are also going up in April of 2022. So if you don't snag them now, you're going to miss the best deals you're ever going to get on any class at McClanahan Academy. So make sure you do that. Also support the show by clicking on the, clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way. You can also click on the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you like the show. Share it around on social media. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. It's a great way to help me out, expand the audience, get organic growth. And if people know you like it, they're probably going to like it too. So anything you can do to help the show, I much appreciate. Uh, Also, send me those show requests. I do read those as well. So let's talk about the topic of the day. First of all, this is episode 600. I mean, it's hard to believe 600 episodes out of the way. Uh, we started this show in 2016, so it's six years. Um, and just for several years, I did two shows a week, thereabouts. We've gone to four shows for the last couple of years, so uh, really ramped up the number of episodes in the last couple of years. But certainly, 600 episodes is nothing to sneeze at. I know there are po- uh, podcasts with many more episodes than mine, but that's okay. For those of you who have been here from the beginning, and I know some of you have, you've listened to all 600 episodes. Thank you very much. If you haven't done that, make sure you go back and grab those earlier episodes. I got a lot of good stuff in there. But I want to talk today on this 600 episode about the uh, event that just took place today as I'm recording this. And that was Ukrainian President Zelensky appearing before Congress to ask for more aid. Now, the reason I want to do this is because of the AP story on the event and some of the things that are mixed into the story. This actually goes back to my book, Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America, which came out, incidentally, in uh, 2016. And, uh, I mean, the book uh, had a section in the back, if you haven't read it yet, that had my suggestion for amendments to the Constitution. Now, somebody sent me, by the way, I'm going to do this later, a uh, show request to address another YouTuber who does, uh, who did an episode on amendments of the Constitution that they would add. And of course, a lot of it's ridiculous. But in this book, Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America, I offer a series of amendments that would curtail the powers of the executive branch. And one of those, I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, it would 
greatly curtail the commander-in-chief powers. So here's what I suggested. An amendment to the Constitution altering the language of Article 2, Section 2 to read, The President shall be commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the militia and of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States. And this is my addition. But the President may not, may not deploy the militia outside of American borders without the consent of the state legislatures or call the militia into the service of the United States without the consent of the state legislature, nor can the president deploy the armed forces of the United States into actual combat unless the United States is suddenly attacked or invaded. In the case of a sudden attack or invasion, the president may not employ, deploy the armed forces of the United States for a longer, a longer duration of one month without authorization by the Congress of the United States. Now, why would I suggest adding this amendment to the Constitution? Quite simple, actually, because... The President of the United States has assumed powers that were not delegated to the President of the United States, and that is to be essentially the uh, American king with unlimited control of the American military. Now, Congress has a clear role in this process. Congress can cut the money of the, pre of the armed services every two years if they want. They can delegate two years, and they can say there's no money for any armed services, so we can't do anything. We can't actually have an army because there's no money for it. But what's happened since essentially the end of World War II is that the president has decided that they can just send the United States Army into combat or close to it at any time they deem necessary without the authorization of Congress. In fact, if you go back to the George H.W. Bush administration, when he notified the Congress that he was sending armed forces into Kuwait and then Iraq, he simply said, I'm, gonna, I'm doing this as a courtesy call, that he didn't need congressional authorization to do this. This is where we've gotten with the American presidency. We have a situation where the Congress essentially has been cut out of all of these decisions. The president makes the decisions. The Congress just follows suit. That's not the way that the presidency was designed. It's not the way that the executive branch was designed by the, by the framers and then the ratifiers of the Constitution at all. In fact, if you even look at Alexander Hamilton, who uh, I know that uh, I mean, said so many wrong things, in Federalist 69, and if you take my Originalist Papers course, you're going to get Federalist 69, among other things, 100, over 100 documents in favor of ratification of the Constitution at McClanahan Academy. It's an awesome course. But in Federalist 69, Hamilton made sure to, re to reassure people in New York that the president would not have the powers of a king. This was one of the selling points. We weren't going to have an elected king. We weren't going to have a man who had the same kind of powers as George III. That was important. George III would have loved to have the powers of the American president. You see, because the presidency has simply taken these things on itself, and Congress has been a willing accomplice in all of this. There's no doubt about it. Congress has punted its responsibility over and over again to control how the United States government handles foreign relations and also the military. They've simply punted it to the executive branch. So we've gotten, in America today, an elected king. And everyone's open about this. The AP, in fact, doesn't even realize what it's doing in this piece. So first and foremost, let me say this. Zelensky, if he wants to get the United States government on board with something, he's correct to address Congress. Because Congress ultimately does have this authority. What kind of things is the Congress willing to do or not to do with Ukraine? I find it amazing that they're so ready to jump on board with this stuff. I mean, we're still living in a Cold War ethos without the Cold War. 
The Cold War has been been a dead war since 1991, yet we still have people acting like we saw the Soviet Union over in Russia. We don't have that anymore. Putin is not a good guy, but Putin is not Stalin, and he's not, he's not uh, Lenin. He's not any of these people. And I think that the problem is we still have a Cold War mentality among many Americans when it comes to Russia. There's this adversarial approach to Russia. And as I said before, there's probably a lot more in common between the two powers than people realize. And that Russia should have been more of an ally than China, for example, with the United States. But regardless, um, Congress is giving Zelensky standing ovations. And we're just, I'm going to read this. It's actually disgusting what Congress is saying here because they're not realizing what's happening. Even the Zelensky recognizes that he's asking too much out of the United States. But there's a quote in here about Joe Biden. I'm going to re- refer all this back to Biden eventually. So uh, let's read this piece from the AP. Zelensky pleads to U.S. Congress, we need you right now. Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky summoned the memory of Pearl Harbor and the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks and appealing Wednesday to the U.S. Congress to do more to help Ukraine's fight against Russia. But he acknowledged the no-fly zone he has sought to close the sky to airstrikes on his country may not happen. Live-streamed at the Capitol complex, Zelensky said the U.S. must sanction Russian lawmakers and block imports. But rather than an enforced no-fly zone that the White House has resisted, he instead sought other military aid to help to stop Russian assault. So, first of all, the White House should have no control over what we do in Ukraine unless the Congress authorized troops to be deployed to the area. You see, this is the thing. The, now, you could say, well, the president's commander-in-chief, he can put troops wherever he wants. The troops that are in actual service of the United States, if they're going to go into a war zone, which is what this is, he has to have authorization from the Congress of the United States. That would be a declaration of war. Putting a no-fly zone there would be a declaration of war, and Biden has no control over that. He would have to ask Congress to do these kind of things. Now, we, we don't follow that anymore. That's exactly what he would have to do. And the fact that you've got people writing an AP story. I don't know who wrote this. Let me see. Lisa Mascardo. Lisa Mascardo writing this, saying, well, the Biden administration is saying they're not going to do this. It's up to Congress, not the Biden administration. Zelensky says, we need you right now. I call on you to do more. Lawmakers gave him a standing ovation before and after his short remarks, which Zelensky began in Ukrainian through an interpreter, but switched to English in a heartfelt appeal to help end the bloodshed. I see no sense in life if it cannot stop the deaths, he said. Nearing the three-week mark in an ever-escalating war, Zelensky has used the global stage to implore allied leaders to help stop the Russian invasion of his country. The young actor-turned-president often draws from history, giving weight to what have become powerful appearances. President Joe Biden's administration has stopped short of providing a no-fly zone or the transfer of military jets from neighboring Poland as the U.S. seeks to avoid a direct confrontation with nuclear-armed Russia. Again, if the United States Congress wanted to do this, it wouldn't matter what Joe Biden wanted to do. The Congress could step in. And this is where Zelensky's actually, I mean, he is smart for going right to Congress because the Congress could say, you know what? We want to get involved. We want to send in the military. We want to put boots on the ground. They could declare war on Russia tomorrow. And Biden would have no choice but to do exactly what Congress told him to do. They could say tomorrow, they could pass a piece of legislation today saying we're going to sell, we're going to put uh, American aircraft in Ukraine. 
We're going to put boots on the ground. We're going to do this. And the Biden administration could do nothing about it. Nothing. They'd have to do it. You see, Congress has all the power, not the President of the United States. Now, I don't think that's a wise plan. I don't think any of these people should be out there suggesting that Americans should do any of this stuff. It's a disaster waiting to happen. But the Congress could do it. This is why I suggested in Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America that there has to be some type of constitutional check on the power of the presidency. Because the president's driving this stuff, and this should be the Congress that drives this stuff. Even though I don't trust the Congress either. I mean, But constitutionally, that should be the entity that actually decides and determines what we do with Ukraine. Biden was to deliver his own address following Zelensky's speech, excuse me, and was expected to announce an additional $800 million in security assistance to Ukraine, according to a White House official. Now, how, how can he do that? How can, it, how can the President of the United States announce $800 million in security assistance without congressional approval? He can't. But of course, again, this is where the President, and I've got an amendment in my nine presidents that would stop the President from doing this stuff as well, just says, you know what, we're going to send $800 million to Ukraine. It's absolutely ridiculous. This is $800 million in either printed money or taxpayer, taxpayer money. Either way, it's taxpayer money because if it's printed money, it's just going through inflation. So we're all paying it now. Of course, Biden's saying it's not, that's not what's causing inflation. What's causing inflation is Putin and COVID, but not anything else. Not the fact that we printed $20 trillion in two years. That has nothing to do with it. No, nothing to see here. It's not really the problem. And we can just send $800 million. This, is, this makes... The total amount of aid sent to Ukraine, $1 billion. Now, a $1 billion doesn't sound like a lot of money when we've got trillion-dollar deficits. It's a huge amount of money. $800 million is a huge amount of money. We just throw these numbers around. Now, see, most Americans can't conceptualize a billion or a million or a trillion. Okay? Think about how excited people get if they go on one of these game shows and they win a million bucks. It went a million dollars. You're thinking, my gosh, that's a boatload of money. Particularly if you see it and it's got, you know, the one after, or if they maybe they went on Jeopardy and won over a million dollars. Maybe won one million two hundred thousand dollars. It looks like a huge amount of money. Now do that eight hundred times, and that's what he's sending to Ukraine. Now who's benefiting from that? Well, the military-industrial complex, because they're the ones manufacturing all of this stuff, and of course, the Ukraine is going to get it. And as they blow the stuff up and, and use it all out, well, the, then these companies have to make more stuff, right? War is a big business. And when war is a big business, people are, are going to benefit from it in terms of a financial benefit if you're in that particular segment of the economy. So $800 million, nobody, oh, that's nothing. A billion? Ah, yeah. I mean, a billion dollars. Think about that. That's a huge amount of money. A billion dollars. That is a huge amount of money. It includes money for anti-armor and anti-defense—I'm sorry—air defense weapons, according to the official, which was not authorized to comment publicly and spoke on the condition of anonymity. Well, why? Why is it? Why is this official doing that? Well, because this really shouldn't even be going on. If the Ukraine wants to buy stuff from us, well, then they can. If they want to buy weapons. They should be able to. But why are we just giving them things? A billion dollars in aid. 
The White House is considering giving Ukraine access to U.S.-made switchblade drones that can fly and strike Russian targets, according to a separate person familiar with the matter who is not authorized to speak publicly. I'm not authorized to do this, but we're going to give them weapons. We're going to give them our best drones. We're going to give them all this stuff. Uh, why don't they just buy it? Well, they don't have any money to buy it. Okay, well, then they can't have it. Zelensky has emerged as a heroic figure at the center of what may, many view as the biggest security threat to Europe since World War II. Now, notice in that, the biggest security threat to Europe since... Is it the biggest security threat to the United States? Is it? Is there a security threat to the member? The member I read you. If the United States is attacked, the president can deploy the armed services. But is this a threat to the United States? It's a threat to Europe. Well, the last time I checked, the United States is not in Europe. It's in the Americas. And so, is that a security threat to the United States? This is what people were asking in 1940 and 41. In my 25 People Who Changed America, one of the lectures is on Charles Lindbergh. And of course, at that time, if you opposed entrance into World War II, um, you were considered to be a Nazi and anti-American. Now think about what's happening now. If you oppose Russia, uh, I'm sorry, American involvement in this, you're called a Nazi, you're called uh, anti-American, you're called all kinds of things. Think about the same type of propaganda that's being used if you're not on board with this disaster of a situation that could lead to World War III. It's pathetic. But the exact same thing was happening in 1940 and 41. And you actually had the FBI investigating people. Investigating people. Charles Lindbergh included. J. Edgar Hoover was out there investigating Charles Lindbergh because he's making speeches against American involvement in World War II. The FBI... Wearing his now trademark army green t-shirt, Zelensky began the remarks to his American friends by invoking the destruction of the U.S. The U.S. suffered in 1941 when Japan bombed the naval base at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii and the 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center in the Pentagon by militants who commandeered passenger airplanes to crash into the symbols of Western democracy and economy. By militants. No, no, they were terrorists. Again, the language. They were, they were commandeered by militants. Uh, they were commandeered by Islamic terrorists. I mean, that's who these people were, right? But we can't call them that. It can't, it can't be called that. To crash into the symbols of Western democracy and economy. The symbols of Western democracy and economy. Okay. Remember Pearl Harbor. Remember September 11th, Zelensky asks. Our country's experience the same every day right now. Senator Angus King, the main independent, said there was a collective holding of the breath in the room during Zelensky's address. Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska said, if you do not look at that video and feel there is an obligation for not only the United States, but the free countries of the world to come together in support of Ukraine, you had your eyes closed. Majority Whip Dick Durbin called the address heartbreaking and said, I'm on board with a blank check on sanctions, just whatever we can do to stop this Russian advance. Outside the Capitol, demonstrators held a large sign lawmakers saw as they walked back to their offices. No fly zone equals World War III. This is true. The Ukrainian president is no stranger to Congress, having played a central role in Donald Trump's first impeachment. As president, Trump was accused of withholding security aid to Ukraine as he pressured Zelensky to dig up dirt on political rival Biden. Zelensky spoke Wednesday from a giant screen to many of the same Republican lawmakers who declined to impeach or convict Trump. 
but are among the bipartisan groundswell in Congress now clamoring for military aid to Ukraine. Well, who cares? I mean, who cares what, what uh, these lawmakers were there about Trump or not? I mean, that had not... Look, I know Zelensky, it's the call to Zelensky, but Zelensky wasn't in on the, on the impeachment proceedings. This is stupid. He thanked the American people, saying Ukraine is grateful for the outpouring support, even as he urged Biden to do more. You are the leader of the nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world, he he said. Being the leader of the world means being the leader of peace. Now, again, think about what was just asked here. I want you to be the leader of the world. I think the internationalists, I mean, they're they're all for this. American-led United Nations. American-led world government. Leader of the world. Silly. It was the latest visit as Zelensky uses the West's great legislative bodies in his appeal for help, invoking Shakespeare's Hamlet last week at the British House of Commons, asking whether Ukraine is to be or not to be, and appealing Tuesday to Dear Justin as he addressed the Canadian Parliament and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He often pushes for more help to save his young democracy than world leaders so far have pledged to provide. To Congress, he drew on the image of Mount Rushmore and told the lawmakers that people in his country want to live their national dreams just as they do. Democracy, independence, freedom is what he said. Biden has insisted there will be no U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine and has resisted Zelensky's relentless pleas for warplanes as too risky, potentially escalating into a direct confrontation with nuclear-armed Russia. Now, how can Biden insist there will be no troops on the ground? If the Congress says there's going to be troops on the ground, there'll be troops on the ground. Now, that would be a dumb move. But if Congress says they're going to do it, well, then they would do it. If Congress says there's going to be a no-fly zone, there'll be a no-fly zone. Biden has no control over that. If Congress decides... It's going to go through and do what it wants in this particular situation. Zelensky appeared to acknowledge the political reality. Is this, and is this too much to ask to create a no-fly zone over Ukraine, he asked, answering his own question. If this is too much to ask, we offer an alternative, he said, calling for weapon systems that would help fight Russian aircraft. Already, the Biden administration has sent Ukraine more than 600 Stinger missiles, 2,600 Javelin anti-armor systems, unmanned aerial System tracking radars, grenade launchers, 200 shotguns, 200 machine... Oh, Biden, what are you doing sending shotguns? 200 shotguns. I thought we needed those here to defend our homes. All he needs is a shotgun. I thought shotguns were not weapons of war. But we're going to send 200 shotguns. Uh, but they're not weapons of war, according to Joe Biden. Just just AR-15s. Shotguns are okay, but weapons... Were, but obviously, they're, they're, they're okay because for weapons of war. So, I mean... Which one is it? 200 machine guns and nearly 40 million rounds of small arms ammunition, along with helicopters, patrol boats, satellite imagery, and body armor, helmets, and other tactical gear, the U.S. official said. Congress has already approved $13.6 billion in military and humanitarian aid for Ukraine, and the newly announced security aid will come from that allotment, which is part of a broader bill that Biden signed into law Tuesday. All right, so... Um, that's where they're getting around this. Congress passes a security bill, $13.6 billion that Biden signs into law, and he's going to peel the money away from that. But again, this is where earmarks are advantageous, and they're essential in our modern legislative process, because all of these things should be earmarked. In that $13.6 billion, we should have had it carved out clearly where the money is going. Not so the president can decide to use it here, 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 or here, but... So the president is told, you're going to use it here, 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 and here. You see, earmarks are essential for accountability. This is why Ron Paul for years said we needed more earmarks in Congress. 
We needed to know exactly where the money was going. In fact, in the Confederate Constitution of 1861, every single spending item had to be earmarked. It's why it has advantages over the U.S. Constitution, because the U.S. Constitution doesn't require that. But the Confederate Constitution did. So Biden is wiggling around here because he's got this $13.6 billion and do whatever he wants to with. Well, that's a disaster. This is exactly what the Biden administration is able to do. And we don't have executive government. The key to understanding all of this is that the Biden administration really is tied by what the Congress wants to do. Congress has to authorize the president to use any armed uh, response to Russian aggression. Congress has to do it. Biden can't do it. Now, if the United States itself was attacked, well, then he would have uh, some discretion there. But as I said in the amendment, just give him 30 days. That would have been fine. So this is a big issue. This is a huge issue. Zelensky's, I mean, he's now become, you know, the darling of, of, the, uh, of the media. He's astute. He knows what he has to do. He has to go to the Congress. He can't, the president's not going to be able to do much unless Congress gives him the authorization. And the Congress at any time could call for war against Russia. They're not going to do it, but they could do it any time they wanted to. And Biden would, would be powerless to stop it. So I wanted to talk about that on this, uh, this 600 episode because I think it's so important to look at executive power and how it's been distorted over the last 100 years or so uh, in the direction we've gone to today, which is a disaster for limited government. The president should never have the powers that he's assumed. The Congress should have control over all of these things, including war. And if we went back to that, if we had more congressional control over these things, you would have more of a broad-based support for some of these things if they actually happened than if they didn't happen. Then you'd have a broad-based support against it. That's it for this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. If you want to catch me five times a week, you can get me at abbeyvilleinstitute.org. I do a podcast there uh, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, one time during the end of the week. Uh, it's on all, thing, all things Southern that I've, we've covered in uh, the Abbeville Institute for, the, for that week. But that's the fifth time you can get me on a podcast. So I do hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next week on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. 